days are going to slash their payroll down to around $50 million, according to multiple reports out of the Bay Area. And that'll cut loose Starling Marte, Josh Harrison, a whole bunch of other familiar faces from what had been a pretty good team. But that's not what makes this significant. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Pirates. Comes your way bright and early every weekday. If you're into football and or hockey, I also offer up daily shots of Steelers and Penguins right where you found this. Pirates payroll, by the way, for the 2021 season, the official payroll, because you hear this number get thrown out all over creation, and it's it's just one figure. It's $51.8 million, according to Ethan Hullahan, a local blogger who's really, really, really good at this sort of thing. And I trust Ethan. He says 51.8. For me, it's 51.8. And that's about as low as you'd ever want to see it around here. You'd want it to be commensurate to the experience level of your roster, meaning if you have a bunch of guys on your team who are what are commonly referred to as zero to three players uh, in the industry, meaning they're in their first three years in the bigs, that's only, there's only so much you can pay them. You know, you can't force it. But it has to have bottomed out as I've discussed many times on this show, it's time for the payroll to make it to $70 million next year. That works with that roster. That doesn't force Ben Charrington into any kind of weird situations where he's uh, putting guys on the field who'd be blocking prospects. But there is room for him to add better players, better veteran players than the ones he's had in his first couple years as GM. But the A's thing interests me in the Pittsburgh context in a totally, totally different way. This portion of Daily Shot of Pirates, by the way, is brought to you by our friends over at North Shore Tavern, home of Steak on a Stone, home of the city's best sports bar atmosphere in large part because it has some of the best food you'll find anywhere as well as arguably the very best selection of craft beer when paired with Mike's Beer Bar right next door a sister operation visit North Shore Tavern directly across Federal Street from PNC Park what has me peaked about the A's doing what they're doing, and again, they're not they're not surprising anybody with this. They're not, uh, you know, going to create some kind of shock waves with this. They're the A's, as David Forrest, their general manager, told the San Francisco Chronicle. 
and I'm quoting directly here, this is the cycle for the A's. We have to listen and be open to whatever comes out of this. This is our lot in Oakland until it's not. I love that quote, that last one. This is our lot in Oakland until it's not. Well, you can read that a couple of different ways because the A's are locked in into a perpetual battle with Oakland City government, Alameda County government, over trying to get a new facility and escape the dump that they've been in forever. So that's part of our lot, I'm sure, when forced to speaking there. But the other part of their lot is the same lot that the Pirates have. And the Reds, who, by the way, last week made the same declaration. They're about to whack payroll. There goes Nick Castellanos, just like that. Three-run homer, by the way, right out of the ballpark. There goes Nick. These teams won't be the only ones doing this. This issue of teams willfully bottoming out and building up with prospects isn't going to go away, and it isn't in any way, shape, or form specific to the Pirates, the Orioles, or for that matter, even though they're really good, the Rays. The way the MLBPA people and their Greek chorus in the national baseball media like to portray it. For them, it's a whole lot more convenient to say that, uh, you know, Bob Nutting is this or that, and the, the Angelos family in Baltimore is this or that and whatever. Criticize them all you want. Say whatever it is that you want about them. Okay, I do it too, including most notably on a regular basis of Nutting. He's had a lot of significant shortcomings as a sports franchise owner. The problem itself is anything but Pittsburgh-centric. The problem is that teams are looking at the one team that's figured out how to beat the system, not be better at the system, but to beat it, and that's Tampa Bay. We've seen other examples occasionally. You know, we've seen Kansas City rise up and win a World Series. We see the Marlins like once every, what, six, seven years jump up. We've seen the Indians do it in a market that's the same size as Pittsburgh. But it's always been the same kind of approach. They shave it all down and they build it back up. I'm leaving the Brewers out. I shouldn't do that. Mark Atanasio, the owner up there, did the exact same thing five years ago. He said, look, we can't bring C.C. Sabathia back. We tried. We offered him this much and that much. Yankees just had more. They took him away, so we're going to strip it all down and start over again. And if enough teams do this, if more teams do this and follow the Rays' lead, 
which to an extent, although they don't acknowledge this, the pirates kind of are themselves. If that happens, and you have 10, 12 teams with their payrolls around 50 million, there's only so far that this idiotic narrative will go that teams just hate winning, or they're not serious, or they're not as committed as George Steinbrenner used to be. And they'll realize that what's really happening here is they're trying to just do what the Rays do. Piling up prospects. And if you pile up prospects, if you do that, by virtue of what prospects get paid in their first three years in the majors, you can't have a high payroll if you want to. The Rays can only overpay by like taking two or three spots on their roster and saying, you know what, we're just going to go hand it all to this guy. And if you remember when they signed Charlie Morton as a free agent out of Houston a couple of years back, they came in and they offered him this huge short-term deal, and everyone was like, whoa, the Rays are finally serious. Now the Rays are they, they, they had enough. They had one spot on their roster that they needed to fill, so they went and they filled it. And they spent money on it because they had money. If enough of these teams do this, I think you're finally going to see some players start paying attention. Maybe. And Tony Clark and the others at the MLBPA start paying attention. Hell, after that, you might even have some national baseball writers pay attention and realize that what's really going on here is that this system is beyond broken. And it's not a couple of tightwad cheapskate owners that are making that happen. It's that these owners have all realized there's only one way out of this, and that's the Tampa Bay way. And the players will just keep getting less and less and less money until they realize that a salary cap system actually will benefit their union, their membership, way more than just having the Dodgers, the Yankees, and a couple other teams spend all the money. When we come back, just one question. Just one question, and today's comes from Scooter, who asks, BK, one thing you didn't mention in the Tuesday show was how the lack of a labor deal and the likely upcoming lockout would affect the Pirates' roster construction. I think Ben Charrington would be more likely to leave prospects off the 40-man, given the uncertainty. Um... I, I wish you had elaborated a little bit, Scooter, but I think I can read into what you're suggesting here is that the Pirates would need to spend up to a certain level in order to meet the standard. The amount of misinformation and misinterpretation that exists when it comes to 
what baseball might look like after this labor agreement is beyond belief. It's not like anything I've seen in football or hockey. And I'm totally convinced that this is because the national baseball media wants nothing to do with this discussion. Why? As I've laid out before, it's not conspiratorial. It's that they're beholden to the agents. The agents are the ones who give them their great big exclusives. If you're not in with the agents, then you're not getting so-and-so is about to sign for da-da-da-da-da dollars. That always, always, always comes from the agents, never comes from the teams, never comes from Major League Baseball. For that matter, it doesn't come from the Major League Baseball Players Association. It comes from the agents. And the moment that you speak up in any capacity at all about this stuff, forget it, man. Fortunately for me, I couldn't care less. So... What does that actually mean toward a labor agreement and how a team has to get up to the minimum payroll? There's so much that I have to debunk here. I'm going to try to keep this really, really short. Every time a salary cap system or a similar system has been instituted in any sport, football, hockey, basketball, there's a grandfathering period. Nobody has to be at the minimum or under the maximum right off the bat because it's impossible. It's literally impossible. If you want a tiny example of that, when the NHL instituted its salary cap after the great bloodletting of 2004, one of the things that was put in was a maximum individual salary. Well, there were players who were making way over it. And those players would have won and sued so easily had the league tried to take that money back from them. What happened? They were grandfathered in. Teams were just required, obviously, to pay on guaranteed contracts. And the cap and all the other uh, components to it were adjusted accordingly. It's not a big deal. No one has to go rushing up to the floor or hurrying down under the cap if you're the Dodgers. No one has to do this. It doesn't exist. It's grandfathered. It's gradual. You move toward it. Secondly, secondly, the idea that teams have to do these things, move up or down, of their own volition, meaning of their own current revenue streams, is completely nuts and ignores the fact that a salary cap system or a cap-like system always, always, always comes with a massive increase in revenue sharing. Put simply, if the Dodgers are making a gazillion dollars a year in local TV, that gazillion dollars or a huge portion of it goes into a pot that is shared by everyone. So every team has pretty much, not completely, but pretty much equal revenues. 
So there's not any difficulty in getting into the range between the minimum and the maximum. It's easy as hell. Everyone can do it. What's more, they're required to do it, which brings me to the third and final myth that comes up with these things is Bob Nutting would never want to do that. He'd never agree to any kind of system that forces him to... Baloney! He's getting tons and tons more revenue sharing and then being told you're required to be in this range. That's it. That's it. There's no boogeyman. There's no goofy narratives and other made-up stuff and whatever else here. I'm not talking about you, Scooter, okay? I'm talking about a very, very general uh, worldview of this. Drives me completely nuts. So, no, the Pirates do not have to be careful with their roster because they might be forced to go sign a ton of high-priced free agents to get up to the floor. It won't happen. It can't happen. It's never happened before, and it won't start now. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Pirates. Let's do one tomorrow, and I I promise I'm going to swing it back to actual baseball.